0: Good morning, and we are so glad that you're able to join us by way of Facebook Live and YouTube, and I'm uh, so glad that you can worship with us here at Lake Point Church in Shelby Township, Michigan, and my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm uh, so glad that you could be with us, and uh, just a couple of quick things, um, uh, if you would like to, like to get a handout for today's uh, message, you can just type the word handout to 586-800-0432. And you can get a quick link to the handout note for today's message. And uh, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Also, um, I want to just thank you for your generosity. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we have been able to bless a couple of nursing homes and uh, bring food to bless the workers and the staff um, at two uh, local nursing homes and retirement home facilities. And uh, thank you for your generosity. We've been able to do mission through this whole uh, pandemic season. And so and I'd like to encourage you, um, you know, a way to give online. Uh, you can just simply type the word LP give and, and, and just type it to that same or text it to that same number that I just gave you, five eight six eight hundred zero four three two. And uh and thank you for the way you've been given. God has been good and thank you for your generosity. You've either done it online or you have been able to mail it here to the church. And uh, however you've been able to do it, somebody drop it off. Last Sunday, we had the Mother's Day uh, curbside pickup. And it was crazy because we had gifts for all the moms. But some of you mom, some of you ladies said, oh, by the way, here's my offering. And I, I told Pastor Thomas, man, we're going to we start doing curbside offering every Sunday. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, we won't do that. But that was just awesome to see the heart of our people. In, uh, in the way that you've been given. So thank you so much for your generosity. And, and I guess the, the next question is, you know, that people are starting to ask, you know, you know Scott, when are we going back to the building? And uh, let me just say this. We're working on this, and uh, we're, we're, we're having great conversation. I know some churches in our area have reopened, and uh, due to the size of our building and the capacity, and how many people we can actually have, it just doesn't quite make sense for us. You know, some of the other churches are bigger and have less people to deal with. The, they can meet the criteria of their capacity. But give us some time. Uh, I believe it'll be soon, um, sooner rather than later. And we're just praying for God's wisdom on this. And uh, meanwhile, just, uh, continue to be faithful. And uh, before you know it, this whole thing will be a bad memory, I promise you. This whole pandemic will be a bad memory. And of course, we'll come back and, and uh, be able to uh, get together and to worship. Well, today, I, uh, I want to look and uh, talk about one of my favorite childhood stories. And I bet, I bet that it's a lot of yours, too because we're looking in Daniel chapter six, and this is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel and the lion's den. And today, we're gonna talk about what it means, uh, or about the idea of what to do when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. When you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And and the question that we've been kind of uh, tackling in this series, I'm stuck. It's a question right here: What what do you do when there's nothing that you can do, or what do you do when you don't know what to do? And I think for a lot of us, you know, we 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 get in a position where we're stuck and we just don't know what to do. And throughout this series, I have been teaching us some lessons, some ideas to the answer to that question on what to do when there's nothing you can do or what to do when you don't know what to do. And each week, I've been praying that you were, that you've been able to download into the data of your mind, the data of your brain, you've been able to download some ideas, some truth from God's word. And a lot of it, you kind of hear it in different ways throughout this series. It's kind of resurfaced And, and, and today's message some so many ideas to so kind of come back to the surface, maybe see it in a different way, a different angle. And I pray that today we'll learn some, you know, some truth about how to handle life when you're between a rock and a hard place. Now, before we get into Daniel chapter 6, let me just quickly set it up for you. Daniel, he's about 80 years old. 80 years old at this point. He's now serving under a different king. Now, Daniel chapter 1, Daniel Daniel's about 20, maybe even a few years younger than that, but 20 years old, and now it's been 50 years. He is now under a new king, He's not at King Nebuchadnezzar. We've been talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, and it's funny because my seven-year-old little girl, Abigail, she, she, she loves to try to say that name. Not, you know, I've got teacher, just let it roll off your tongue. Nebuchadnezzar, and she, she'll be like, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, nebuchadnezzar, nebuchadnezzar. Say, no, 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 Nebuchadnezzar. You know, it's one of my favorite king's names to say in the Bible. And uh, she's working on it. She's working on it. But we're not under King Nebuchadnezzar anymore. We're under a different king. And his name is King Darius. Now, King Darius appoints Daniel in chapter 6 to be one of the most powerful men in the empire. I mean, that's just just crazy to me. He Daniel chapter 1 was a slave. And, and, and over the 60 years later, he is now second in command. And this is where we'll kind of see the story in chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible said that Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. In other words, he would oversee the financial interests of the kingdom. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great abilities, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And all throughout Daniel's life, we see him standing out, serving with an excellent spirit, always willing to go the, the, the extra mile. And the king of on and said, man, Daniel, you're head and shoulder above everybody else, and I want to put you in charge. I want you to be second only To me, and this sounds like a a great day, right? This sounds like a wonderful day for Daniel. He gets promoted. And at the same time, he's uh, he's not compromising anything that he believes in. He still worships the one true God in a very godless society. But this is where the plot clocked. Because underneath the surface, there's an undercurrent of hatred and jealousy going on against Daniel. The other two administrators, they all all—they went all hunger games on Daniel. They was like, man, we're gonna take this guy out. We can't stand him. We're gonna falsely accuse him. We're gonna get him out of the picture so that we can have his role, so that we can have his position. We're jealous, and it's in that spirit that they go after Daniel. And we're going to see Daniel in this story standing strong, even when he was, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place. But he was standing strong with with only the supernatural strength that he could only get from his faith and a strong relationship from God. So Daniel chapter 6. If you're taking notes, I want us to see some lessons here. Lesson number one, not fun, but it's true. When God raises you up, people will expect people, expect circumstances to tear you down. Let's say you receive a promotion. Now, a lot of times, the people that you think will be most excited about it, behind closed doors, they're most jealous or they're critical of you, or maybe some of you, you're new in your faith with Jesus. You're really excited about your faith in Christ, and you start telling people about who you, you know—who Jesus is and, and start inviting people to church, and, and you've got people that, that you know, knew you before Christ, and it's like, man, who are you? And they start to mock you. They start to tear you down. Or maybe God speaks to you, and you do what God has called you to do, and, and, and you find people, well-meaning people, and they criticize you. Or or you decided to be a generous giver. And instead of, after you give, you know, instead of getting a blessing, um, it's the week that your car breaks down, and you've got to take it to a mechanic, and you don't even know how you're going to pay for the repair, because you gave generously the week before, and you're like, man, what happened here? And, And resistance of circumstances tears you down. Or maybe you've been growing in your faith. But then your faith, your faith got rattled. Your your faith gets a little little, uh, shaken up because someone in your personal inner circle, close friend, family, maybe they receive news about an incurable disease. Or or maybe you've got a friend or someone you're related to that, had positive for the virus, or worse, worse than that. Maybe someone you knew and died, and, and your, your faith is shattered. You say, God, I mean, I've been growing my walk with you, my faith is with you, and, and, and circumstances and situation or, or people, they, they tear me down. We, we see the story played out in Daniel chapter six. It said the other administrators, the high officers, they began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. I mean, here are these guys that were like, man, if, if we can just find some dirt in his life. You know, if we can, you know, if we can uh, create a political campaign or a political ad, we can kind of throw him under and make him look terrible. I mean, this is the deep state of Babylon going on here. And so they're, they're doing everything they can to destroy him. And, and uh, But notice what happened. They couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything to criticize or to condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. And so they concluded, our only chance of finding ground for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. And so they devised this plot to destroy him, to attack him. I just want to take a minute. I just talk about the problem that we have, that I believe in, that I believe that we have, what I call uh, an American Christianity. An American Christianity, it's this idea, you know, hey, if I'm serving God, you know, if I'm I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm obeying him, then I shouldn't face opposition. I, I... I should be doing what, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then nothing will come against me. I should never have a hard time. And there's that idea that's out there in a lot of American Christianity we kind of believe that. And the reality is this, that, that it's not true. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but we battle against the powers and principalities of this dark world. And whenever you and I were moving the kingdom Forward, you can expect resistance from the Prince of Darkness. And oftentimes, the Prince of Darkness, he works through people, even well-meaning people, in bad situations that's beyond our control. But this is so important. If you are not ready to face opposition for your faith and obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition, this is so important. If you're not ready for it, then you're not ready to be used by God. And that's why I don't worry when I'm faced opposition. Because oftentimes that tells me, okay, Satan doesn't like what we're doing. That's why when, when things are going well at church and there's some resistance happening, I know that that's That's what the devil wants. And he'll use people, he'll use circumstances to do whatever it takes to discourage us, to bring us down. I worry, by the way, I worry when we don't have opposition, when things are going way too good, way too well. You know, when we did a building campaign back in 2017, and we were raising money for land and property for this building. And, and uh, by the way, I just want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that our church family were uni- was unified when we went through that campaign. Our goal was to raise $300,000 in six months. But if you ask my wife, my wife and I, we felt, we felt resistance, you know, spiritual attack, spiritual warfare. I mean, there were times in our lives where we were like, man, are we doing the right thing? And we kept saying, you know what? We're doing the right thing because Satan doesn't like what we're doing at Lake Point Church. And we kept through it. We kept with it. And and, and we raised, you know, we had a commitment of over $300,000. And, and within nine months after the campaign was over, we raised over $400,000. And it was because of that amount in 2017 that we were able to use that to move into the facility here in Shelby Township, the building this past October. And I'm telling you, opposition is going to happen. And we see Daniel, he's facing opposition from other people. They're like, man, we've got to stop him. We don't like him. Uh, so what did they do? Well, if you read the story in Daniel chapter 6, you know they, they, they come up with a plan, and they went to the king, and they went to King Darius, and they tried to buttle up the king. I don't know how they bottled up the king. You know, maybe they went in and, oh, king, you know, man, king, have you been woken up? I mean, you're looking pretty tight there your road, man. What's going on? You're looking, you're looking pretty good. I, said, I don't know how they bottled up the king. But they went to the king and said, hey, king, how about this idea? We've got this idea. Why don't you make a, a decree, a, a law, or... An executive order, right? That, you know, we're understanding our terminology. Why don't you make an executive order that you be a god for the month? You be you be the god for the next 30 days, and everybody has to pray and worship you and you alone. No other gods. They all have to take a break. You're the god of the month. And King Darius is like, man, I like that. And so what else? And he said, hey, listen, if they worship anything else, we throw them in the lion's den. And Darius is like, yeah, okay. I like that idea. And many kings in ancient history, they loved the idea of being treated like a god. They knew they weren't a god, but their pride made them feel like they wanted to be a god. And so Darius kind of goes with this idea. He said, yeah, I, I like that. If anybody prays to any other God but me in the next 30 days, there'll be lions lost. And so he signed a decree. And by the way, when he signed that, that, that executive order, that decree, it was signed and sealed. It was no turning back. Not even the king could change that order. And so he signed it into law. And he said, for the next 30 days, everybody, have to pray to me and me alone, and and this created a problem for Daniel. Why? Because he was a man of prayer, and was faithful, so faithful to his God. Now you have to understand when we when we know the story, when we hear the story, and we know where the story's going. We've talked about this a couple of weeks, but Daniel he has no idea that God's going to rescue him. And so when Daniel, you know, he hears about the new executive order, well, he had to make a decision. And, and the way I look at it, he had three options. He had three options here that he could take. Number one, the first option would be to stop praying. He's 80 years old. He probably could have said, God, you know, it, I've been doing it for 80 years. Now let's just take a 30-day break. You know where I stand. I know where you stand. But you know what? I, I'm more important alive than dead, God. You know that. So let's, let's just kind of let's just put, take a time out from prayer. And after it's all over, I'll come back to pray with you again. He, he could have done that. But he didn't. Uh, another option, and, and to be honest with you, probably the option um, that maybe I would have done, you know, where I would have just prayed silently, maybe even fake it, you know, I wouldn't pray out loud. I, I would have my eyes closed, and I'm, you know, I'd be thinking, okay, I'm not going to pray out loud. I'm just going to pray silently, and someone says, "Got that, that? what are you doing? Thought, I'm, I'm just resting my eyes. Oh, were you praying? Oh, no, 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 no. I was deep in thought. I was deep in thought. Are you sure you weren't praying? I, oh, I wasn't praying. I wasn't praying. I was just thinking, no, yeah, okay, just making sure. I mean, that, that's probably what I would have done. But did Daniel do that? No. Daniel, Daniel's faith was so strong that he did the third option. He just kept doing what he what he's always done. He kept praying publicly and kept doing what he was doing. And I'm I'm asking a question now, and here's the question I'm asking. How in the world do you have that kind of faith? How in the world do you have a faith like Daniel, where it's so strong was so strong that he was willing to stand in the face of possible death. What does Daniel do when he's stuck between a rock and a hard place? And that leads us to the second lesson. Is that prayer is what gives you the strength to stand in the middle of opposition. It's what gives you the strength to stand in the middle of opposition. Look at chapter, look at verse number 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he's always done, giving thanks to his God. You see, our first response to trials, resistance, opposition, should never be the panic. It should never be panic. But we should always pray. But you see, even in our language, our language gives away just how little sometimes we value the privilege that we have to pray. Sometimes we do everything else. We do everything else. We exhaust all of our options, and then at the end of it, we might say, well, I guess all that we have left to do is pray. We, We do that. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you're stuck, when you don't know what to do? What we need to do is to say, we can pray. We can pray. We can come before the throne room of God. We've got, uh, got full assets, like we talked about last week. We've got full access to the, to the creator and the sustainer of the universe. We have an audience with the God who cares about the small little intimate details of our lives. We can petition the God of the universe, and he hears the cries of those who, who humble themselves. We can pray. We can talk to God. He hears us. he delights to move on our behalf because he loves us. We can pray. Never, never, oh, we can do now. No, 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 no. We can pray. And notice, Daniel didn't announce his prayer to make a public show. He just just did what he's always done. What he's always done. He wasn't trying to be a show-off. He just quietly, by faith, did what he did. He didn't open up the window and say, Hey, everyone, I'm not going to listen to the king. I'm going to pray out loud. Hashtag, I'm so spiritual. He didn't do that. He did what he's always done deep, reverent prayer to a holy God. I'm absolutely and completely convinced of this. I'm convinced that so much of the success of Daniel's life was based on predecisions. decisions Pre-decisions. He pre-decided week number one in chapter one not to defile himself with the food that was set aside for idols. If we remember that first message, I said there would never have been a story about Daniel in the lion's den. Was it not for the story about Daniel and how he behaved in the dining room in Chapter 1? And, and, and somewhere in his life, decades before Chapter 6, when Daniel was in his 80s, Daniel had made a decision, you know, I'm going to seek God in prayer three times a day. Daniel pre-decided now, I don't know about you but if you haven't pre-decided your plan to get to know God then my friend there's a good chance that you're not that you're not gonna get to know God at all it's a good chance you're not gonna get to know him if you don't pre-decide a plan to get to know God but think about this if you have no plan then you're planning to fail. And if there is no predetermined plan of how you want to walk with God, I can almost guarantee that you're not going to walk with God. And Daniel, Daniel pre-decided he had a plan and he stuck with it like he's always done. Daniel knelt before God in prayer. And how did he have the strength to stand strong in the middle of opposition? Well, if you're taking notes. He could stand before people. He could stand before men because he had knelt before the presence of God, before the presence of God. Man, I just can't wait. I can't wait for us to be in the auditorium with you because I just know that I will be hearing some really good amen. But the fact is, I only got time in the room, so Tom, give me a good amen right here. Amen. He could stand before people. Because he had knelt before the presence of God. Man, when life gives you something that knocks you down, simply seek God in prayer. When life gives you more than you can handle, get on your knees before God in prayer, and then he will give you the strength to stand when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now, here's the deal. And again, we'll talk about this in this series, and this is where it gets tough. God may not always answer your prayers the way that you prayed for. I wish I could tell you that it's always going to work out just the way you pray, just the way you want it, but I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that at all. I mean, Daniel, he said, man, God, what if the lions eat me and, and God doesn't rescue me? God, I mean, Daniel probably said that. He probably wondered, okay, what's going to happen? And that's a fair question because there were plenty of other people in the Bible who had great faith in God, the same amount of faith that Daniel had. And for whatever, whatever reason, God didn't rescue them. You see, we're not talking about a... Disney movie where everything ends happily ever after. I wish it was, but it's not. This is real life. With a sovereign God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose understanding is higher than our understanding. He will often do things that just that just doesn't make sense. So I can't promise you if you take a stand to do the right thing between a rock and a hard place that something is going, something's not going to go against you, that people aren't going to go uh, resist you, the opposition and situation of life is not going to come. I can't promise you that. And the only promise, and we kind of talk about this already in this series, but I just want to remind you again, the only promise I can make is the third lesson. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. That's the only promise I can say. Even when it doesn't make sense, when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the result, the outcome, right? The outcome belongs to the Lord. This this has been the theme of Daniel, and that's why we keep going back through this. The theme of Daniel is uh, that there is a God in heaven, and he is in heaven control. God is in control. It may not be the control that you're thinking of, but God has a master plan, and he knows what he's doing from the beginning to the end. He's in control. I, I, I want to remind you, Daniel didn't know the end of the story when he was in the middle of the story. He didn't know that this story turn out to be one of the most beloved Sunday school lesson stories of all time. He didn't know that at this moment. He had no idea that at the end of it, that, that it, would end out, it would end up the way it ended. All he knew was that for 80 years, God had been faithful to him, faithful to him, faithful to him. And because of that, he would be faithful to his God. He said, God, you have been faithful to me. Therefore, I will be faithful to you. I mean, if he saves me, then I'll trust him. If he doesn't save me, I still trust him. I still trust him. And, and so the news get back to Darius the King. Remember, this is the plot. This is what they wanted. Daniel's still praying to his God, still faithful, still doing what's right, still doing what's right. The word gets back to the king. The Bible said that he devastated and so what well, was he devastated is he mad at daniel no he's mad at himself he's mad that he's been fooled by other people that hate daniel because we see in the story that this king he loved daniel cared about daniel he held him up to high esteem and there was a Devastated because now he had written a order, a law that he cannot himself take back, and, and, and so he devastated. He, he, his own people worked behind his back to pull out this plan, and so he had to call the order. He had to make the order. I mean, he did everything he could trying to find a loophole to try to change the orders, and he couldn't. And he had to make the call to throw his. One of his best friends went to the lion's den, and he's so devastated. The Bible said that he ran to his palace after Daniel was sent to the lion's skin, He ran to his palace, and he did not eat, no entertainment, and quite didn't sleep at all that night. Now, we don't know what happened in the lion's den. Daniel thrown in. I'll tell you what, we, uh, we, we all know what doesn't happen, you know. We we, we know what doesn't happen, but we don't know how it rolled out. We don't know if Daniel, when they threw him down, if he was still praying. You know, maybe, I think maybe in the back of my head, that's probably what he's doing. He's still worshiping God as they lower him into the lion's den, you know. Uh, But we don't know that, right? He, He could have been scared. He could have been frightened out of his mind. I mean human being. I mean I know if it was me and I saw a 500 pound plus line that's over ten feet tall, you know, ten feet long, I know that I'm gonna run to the to the to the farther corner and I'm shaking. I probably wet myself. I mean maybe that's what that's what happened to Daniel. I don't know. You know, maybe he was so scared. Or or maybe, maybe when he came down there, you know, maybe he got bold and started. Barking at the lions, you know, like a dog. Maybe he thought he could scare the lions away, you know? Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe he said, oh man, here, come over here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And, and, and laid his head down in the back of the lion and just took a nap. We, we don't know what exactly happened, but we do know what didn't happen. That the lions did not eat Daniel, that by the power of God, God shut the mouth of the lion. And so in the morning, the first King Darius, the first thing that King Darius does, he gets out, he gets out of the house, he gets out of the palace, he runs down to the lion's den. And, and and notice what he says in verse number 20. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully? I mean, I love this. He said, man, I've been watching you in the way that you live. Your faith is the real deal, Daniel. I said, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Look at verse number 22. And Daniel responded. This is what Daniel said to him. He said, my God. He sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they wouldn't hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight. And I've not wronged you, your, ma- your majesty. The king, he was overjoyed. He ordered that the Daniel be lifted up from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. Why? For you trusted. For you trusted in his God. He had trusted in God. When you do what's right, you're always—you can always trust God with the outcome, with the results. And the king—he issued a new decree that everyone in the kingdom should fear the one true God, the God of Daniel. And if you're taking note, because of Daniel's faithfulness to God, God was faithful to him. God was faithful to him. And even if God had not chosen to close the mouth of the lions, I believe that Daniel still would have said, my God has been so faithful to me. So if you're here this morning and you're facing some sort of opposition, and I know so many people are, you're, you're in the middle of a bad circumstance, or maybe you got people against you. I want you to remember that when God raises you up, you can just expect it. You can expect it. It's true. I hate to say it, but true. But you can expect opposition from people, from circumstances, bad situation, It's just a part of it. If you're going to be a great leader, if you're going to do anything for God, you need to understand that's a part of it. That's a part of life. But we need to remember that 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 when we pray, that it gives you the strength to stand up in the middle of opposition. And so when resistance happens, don't panic. Don't panic, but pray. And if you haven't predetermined how you're going to grow in your walk with God, Chances are that you're not going to walk closer to God. You've got to predecide right now. And some of you, I hope you're under a massive conviction right now in your life. Because you need to set some time aside to predetermine, to pre-decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to plan to walk with him. Because when you do what's right, when you do what's right, you can always, always trust God with the result. So what do you do when you're stuck? What do you do when you're stuck and you don't know what to do? Well, you stand up with God. Cry out to him because he's been so faithful to us. And through his son, Jesus, we can be faithful to him. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful that we have hope with you. That we can stand strong in the middle of resistance. When we're in the middle, when we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And God, I pray that we will not bow down underneath the pressure of resistance. And that when it comes, God, I help us, I pray that it will make us stronger for you. So God, help us to be aware that the devil, he's working. He'll do whatever it takes to stop us from doing what you want us to do. And God, I pray that we will, in the middle of opposition, we don't panic. We don't let fear take over. But instead, God, we pray to you. We We draw strength that only you can give. And God, I pray that we would stay faithful. Stay faithful to you. And when we stay faithful to you, God, we can trust. We can trust the outcome to you. We can always Trust the result with you. God, perhaps there's someone here that's watching, and they, they're they stuck right now in their life. They don't know where to go. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And God, maybe I'm talking to that person right now. They're watching. And, and if, that, if that's you, and you say, God, I I, I just kind of was scrolling through Facebook, and I just saw you preaching, and I kind of just, I don't know, maybe you just kind of stop and listen. and Maybe God is speaking to you right now. And it's no accident that you're watching. It's no accident that you're listening. And I want you to know that God is watching. He is, he is reaching out to you at this moment. And watch a relationship with you. And right now, you, say you, might be, you might be feeling like you're in a bad situation. You're stuck. You're afraid. You're scared. You're overwhelmed. You feel like all these things are coming at you. and The walls of your life feel like they're closing in. I want you to know that there's hope. That hope in His Son, Jesus. That Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins. He came and died for your life, and did it for you. And all you have to do is give your heart to Jesus and trust Him. He's been through everything you've been through. He conquered. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin, and He's here, He's waiting. And the Bible says that all you have to do to know him is to call out to him. What's crazy is you don't even have to call me and i take you to Jesus. You can do it right where you're at. You can pray a prayer that says like this, a prayer that goes like this, and you can pray out loud or quietly in your heart. You can pray, Dear God, I'm a sinner. I feel lost in this world. I feel like I'm just kind of going. My, my wheels just feel like it's spinning. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And God, I'm asking you to come to my life. I'm asking you to be my Lord. I'm asking you to be my Savior. To forgive me of all my sins. I pray that you will give me new direction in life. A new hope. I want a relationship with you thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and if that's you and you pray that prayer man we love to celebrate with you here at late point our goal is to help people take their next step with god and 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 the best way i can do that is for you to just simply reach out to us and you can reach out to us and pass your time in a few minutes for talk what would share how you can Share that information about how you can have a relationship or how you made that step in a relationship with God. Or well, maybe you you're just not ready yet, you know, and you got more questions. But we love to connect with you. We'd love to help you. Even during this time, I want you to know that we are available. We are here and we want to help you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Daniel chapter six. Daniel and the Lion again. I pray that our hearts be challenged. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.